Logical Progression, Year 1, Lesson 18. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla ila ma ja'alta wa sahla wa anta tajul al-hazna. Idha shi'a sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya rabbil alameen. Okay, so we are on page 6 of the notes, page 89 of the sharh. Jazaallahu khaira to Widad. I read that on her Twitter. Otherwise, I had no idea where we were. But she very helpfully put the page number of the notes and the thingy on, which is good. I hope that she can maintain that little sunnah. Very good. Very happy. Also, wanted to thank her and Warda and the other uh, folks who have been uh, working so hard on the notes. And uh, mashallah, we're catching up soon, which is also meaning that there will be a test soon, which will be the one of the defining kind of tests, if you like, um, of, of continuation of the class. Our qal is in a nice stage at the moment, and it will then complete itself maybe in, a, maybe in the next maybe five, six weeks, something like that. Anyway, so we have to be quick um, uh, this time, um, well, certainly today, because Isha is in exactly 59 minutes. And so we have to do the dars and then maybe open some Q&A as well. There's a bit of a few tricky things that we need to discuss. Actually, the dars is actually really easy. But Sheikh Uthaymeen, he mentioned some really interesting, useful qawaid, principles and rules and maxims of fiqh that you'll benefit from. So I thought, yeah, we do need to give that time. So let's read from page 6, 7 and 8 in the text, just so that we can cover that. Uh, in the Arabic, Al-Hajjawi, rahmatullahi he says, وَيُبَاحُ إِسْتِعْمَالُهُ بَعْدَ الدَّبْغِ فِي يَابِسٍ مِنْ حَيْوَانٍ طَاهِرٍ فِي الْحَيَاةِ وَلَبْنُهَا وَكُلُّ أَجْزَائِهَا نَجِسَةٌ غَيْرَ شَعْرٍ وَنَحْوِهِ وَمَا أُبِينَ مِنْ حَيٍ فَهُوَ كَمَيْتَتِهِ فَهُوَ كَمَيْتَةِ So, in English, um, however, after tanning, so that's referring to what? Tanning what? Tanning the skin of a carcass, correct, yeah, a dead animal, a carcass of a dead animal, of a meta, not normal yani animal, okay, or or not in another state. We're talking of a dead animal which has been found in this manner, okay. Um, however, after tanning, they are lawful to use with dry goods if the animal was pure when alive. The milk and all parts of dead, unslaughtered animals are filthy, except for hair and the like. And something separated from a living animal has the same ruling as if it were separated from an unslaughtered animal, from a from carrion, basically, from a, a dead meat, effectively. So that is the that is the the ending, effectively, of this chapter, which I want to try and finish today. And you you should keep it in context of what last week's lesson was, and that was that the tanning does not ritually purify skins of unslaughtered animals. That's the position of the madhab, right? What did we say? Have we forgot? Does anyone, by the way, revise their notes when they go home? 
Or does everyone just, yeah, just throw it in the corner and then pick it up on Wednesday <laughs> evening and then, yeah, say, so, yeah. Uh, did anyone actually read their notes? Because I want to ask that person. Maybe I've forgotten as well. Maybe I threw my notes in the corner, you know, you never know. And, yeah? Good, good. It does purify. It is permissible to use um, based upon the Hadith Maimuna. And we, we look at that in detail. You can go back to your notes. And again, I advise you and advise myself that revision is essential. Revision is essential. Um, the, uh, the need for, for having to go back and check your notes when you've studied them is very important because it's fresh. And then a little quick review before the dars or maybe in the week. Wallah is mufid. It's jiddan jiddan mufid. Yeah, I'm telling you, seriously, it will benefit you. Anyway, so obviously there's a lot of discussion, but let's, let's jump straight into what Shaykh Uthameen says with respect to now moving on he's made, him, he's made his position clear he feels that when you have a dead animal you can uh, 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 tan it in that incredibly intensive process of tanning and it will purify it now obviously people because of the manner the way that the fiqh develops we didn't even say whether that animal that we found the dead animal whether it was a pig or whether it was a cow or whatever it was. We didn't know that. In fact, we didn't even mention that. Okay, And that's because the way that it's, it's developing, that discussion is going to happen now. So that, you know, the cart before the horse kind of thing happened, right? So let's just assume for the sake of argument that the humbly position is referring actually to all animals, all dead animals. It's very simple for the humblies, you see. They're saying that any dead animal that you find, khalas is finished, yani you... You can't purify its skin, finished. Whereas our position, position of Sheikh Uthameen and a number of the scholars, maybe the majority in fact, okay, said that no, yes it can be. A dead animal can be, can, we can use its skin if we tan it, okay, but there are some exceptions and exceptions we're going to come to. So anyway, page uh, 89 in the Sharh, this is now with respect to the uh, text that it is permissible after tanning they are lawful to use with dry goods, okay, uh, if the animal was pure when alive. Pure when alive, what is that saying? It's basically saying, uh, well, let's discuss actually how Sheikh uh, Uthameen uh, takes it. So he says that, that once the, once the uh, animal, once you have an animal which is pure, halal, and you have this skin, which, by the way, even if we find when it's dead, even if we find it's dead, it's not allowed to use. If we did have a halal one that we found dead and we tanned it, then we're going to allow you to use it if and as long as it remains dry. As long as it remains dry and it does not come into contact with anything except that that thing is also dry. And this is a very important point and principle which I think many Muslims don't know. That najasa, impurity or filth, is transferred only when the moisture of filth or the actual filth is transferred. So just coming into contact with dry filth does not necessarily impart the filthiness onto your skin. That's why one of the most common questions I get asked is that, Sheikh, the dog came and sniffed me. Is it allowed for me to uh, pray? Yes, it is. Because the dog sniffing is not the same as the dog licking. All right? Because what's haram about the dog and what's impure about the dog is its skin and its nose and its whatever that imparts moisture. So the second 
So it, 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 either it licks you or either you're soaking wet and you touch the dog in that kind of area. And then that's a problem. Okay, then we need to wash that area off clean. But if, for example, you know, and I mean, Pakistan have a major problem with dogs anyway, so we're not going to go and touch them anyway, right? So that's fine, all right? But obviously, that shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be the case. And a lot of people, they refrain from stroking dogs and whatever. I mean, I, I certainly don't. I have no problem, okay, with, with stroking a dog or anything like that. But you can imagine where it's coming from when someone wouldn't stroke a dog. They're thinking just the touch is the problem. The touch is not the problem. It's the transfer of rutab. The same with the most obvious uh, situation, feces. Okay, If feces are born dry, and often they are, sometimes you might kick some in there. I mean, not in this country, obviously, this country, everything's damn soaked. Yani, but I'm talking mm-hmm. across in the Muslim countries, whatever. If you see that kind of thing, it's like rocks. They're like rocks, literally. Yeah, and the feces of animals or whoever. Now, that touching that or kicking that by mistake, that is not necessarily in of itself a problem. It's if it leaves a trace. And as you can imagine from the, the, the nature of substances, traces are left when it's soft enough to leave a trace. But when something is very, very hard, then by its nature it doesn't leave a trace. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not saying every time you touch it it's not a problem. I'm saying that the illa is rotab. The rotaba, the moisture, the wetness which is transferred in any touching of these scenarios, that's the problem. This is the reason why the Hanabila, even though they consider the skin to be impure, uh, in principle, they said that once we've done the, the debug on it, once we've done the tanning, we'll allow it as long as it doesn't get involved in any uh, wet stuff. That's why even for the Hanabila, um, and, then, and then Sheikh says, uh, and Sheikh says that we want to remember that, that this position, regardless, he agrees with this position, okay, but actually, uh, meaning that he agrees with the fact that it's okay and dry. But what does Sheikh Uthameen also agree with? Yeah, Sheikh Uthameen also agrees that it's okay when it's wet as well. That's what we agree as well. Because as we said, the animal, if it's pure and it's found dead, and we do debug of it, then we're happy to even use it when it's wet as well. And actual fact, to be honest, skin's pretty useless if you're only going to use it in dry circumstances, isn't it? Okay. And in actual fact, back in the day, the skin was mostly being used. And in fact, the hadith which we use to allow us to use a skin of a carrion, okay, um, uh, is, the, is this hadith on, which is on the next page in the text, uh, uh, page 90. Uh, Sheikh says, that she, that the Prophet and the companions, they made wudu from a water skin that was owned by a non-Muslimah, a mushrika, polytheist woman, okay? And Sheikh says, and the bayah of the mushrikeen are najas, yani the, the slaughtered animals of mushrikeen, they're, 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 not, they're not haram, but they're, they're impure, they're impure. And that therefore uh, proves to us that actually it's allowed even to use them in rutab. Because obviously it's holding water. The skin itself is holding water. These water skins were for milk and water, Aslan, yani, because they're so, you know, skin has such amazing properties of, of waterproofness or whatever it is. Yeah. So I just, wanna, I just wanted to explain what the humbly position was. That, that's what it means by dry. And there is a point there that you understand. There's a beneficial lesson that, to learn about najasa and dryness. But that, that our position actually is, is that the skin is not a problem, even if it is... Uh, used in wet or dry. Now we can discuss about the the the, the use of his word min from a pure animal. Sheikh says that 
من حيوان طاهر في الحياة. فأذن المؤلف we benefited from the author in that he has told us that the skin that the the the, the hide that is allowed to use um, after tanning whilst it is dry is only that of an animal which is pure. So what does a pure animal mean? He goes, I'm going to divide it into four. For, uh, 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 the, uh, an animal which was pure during its life. Sorry, during its life. What does it mean that an animal is pure during its life? There are four types of something being pure in its life. The first one is everything which is permissible to eat. Okay, such as a camel or a cow or a sheep or a or a hyena or something like that. Okay, I think it was the most random addition ever to a list in human history, right? <laughs> hyena. But there's a reason that the reason for that because actually there's a, there's a khilaf over the um, uh, position of the thingy. Let's get back. Let's get back. Get right back. Right back. The um, the hyena itself has been an issue of controversy uh, because a number of scholars actually consider it to be haram. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm not getting into that now. And according to the Hanbali school, it is permissible. Now, um, so that's the first type. So that's, that's straightforward, right? Halal animal, clean animal, we benefit from it, we eat it, etc., etc. This is a pure animal. This is what we eat. When this animal dies, whether we sac- uh, slaughter it or whether it's found dead, it's yeah, when, uh, after, we, we, uh, after we have done um, the tanning of the skin and soaked it and bleached it and this and that and whatever. We went through the whole tanning process last week, yeah? yeah? So then this is okay for us. The second type of animal which would be considered pure in its life would be that such as the cat, uh, such as a cat or a kitten and small animals of that nature, but less than that. So I guess what he means by that is like uh, hamsters, gerbils, like, uh, uh, I don't know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he goes that, uh, uh, and he says that, and the proof of that, the proof of that, in principle, this should, this should be an exception. This should be an exception because these animals are nedges. You're not allowed to eat a cat. Okay. So in principle, this should be this, this should be a problem, but this, the, but these animals are an exception because of the statement of the Prophet sallallahu The cat itself is not najasin, not najas, not impure. alaykum. These are from the uh, animals which make tawaf around you, which are always in and out of your bodies and over you and in you and in your bed and yeah, always touching you and everything, whatever. And so. So these are the domesticated animals which you are in so much contact with that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa had made these haram, it would be a disaster, isn't it? It would be it made them impure. Life would become very difficult because these are not wild animals that live outside. They're domesticated animals that live with us. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them an, accept, an exception of a category. All right? So this is the second type. And this hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed and Abu Dawood. And it's a hadith which is good, inshallah. Um, uh, uh, it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice statement. Bukhari said that جود مالك من أنس هذا الحديث ورواياته أصح من رواية غيره. I like that, Allah. Because there are some people who spoke about this hadith. They weren't very happy with this hadith, but Bukhari he mentioned this hadith. He said that according to Imam Malik ibn Anas, I'm gonna respect him from Bukhari. He goes according to Imam Malik ibn Anas, this hadith is good. And his narration by his chain. 
is more authentic than anything else that I've, I've, I've seen. So he didn't actually include it himself. All right? He didn't actually include it himself, but he considered it to be of good, uh, uh, considered to be authentic. And as a lesson for everyone there in that as well, that, uh, I mean, you should know this by now, but Imam Bukhari, uh, anything which is in Sahih Bukhari or not in Sahih Bukhari doesn't mean it's not authentic, and it, which I guess everyone knows. But it also doesn't mean that Bukhari doesn't think it's authentic. Actually, Bukhari thinks many ahadith are authentic. But to get into Sahih Bukhari, you have to be beyond criticism in the, in, as a hadith, as a chain, as a matan, as narrators. You have to be like the cream of the cream, yani, everything. Right, so the third type, Sheikh says, is everything which doesn't have flowing blood. Everything which doesn't have flowing blood. I.e., if it was killed or slaughtered, there is no flowing blood. Now, you might think, what on earth does that mean? And what this mean, what this is referring to are animals like um, flies, like locusts. These are a very specific category in Sharia. Yani you will never study any subject in any religion uh, that has this kind of specific category of fiqh, but Islam does. And whenever you study fiqh, you will always talk, you will always come across this category of these animals. I mean, I never even knew that they had no flowing blood until I started studying fiqh. And then, you know, and I was trying to work out what does that even mean? When I went back, then apparently there's some ish, something there, I don't know, biologically speaking. But basically, they don't have masses of flowing blood. They've they're, they're got some other kind of system, I don't know. But we're talking about small, certain insects specifically, locusts and ants and, uh, or, or flies and certain types of flies, whatever. And so these are pure during their life. Remember, that's what we're describing. Four types of pure animals which are pure when they're alive. The fourth type is good old human beings. Okay? So human beings are, um, are obviously that category. Whilst we're alive, we're pure. Okay? But the problem, of course, is that unless you're um, from Somalia, you're not going to eat uh, humans. Um, or is it uh, somewhere, somewhere else as well? Sheikh Abdullah? Okay. Sheikh right. is quiet today because I just went in there and had a good laugh with him. I should say, actually, a good laugh at him. But anyway. So, um, so obviously, this is not an acceptable. Uh, uh, this is not discussed in the books of fiqh because this category number four is an obvious non-starter because it's not permissible to do anything with human skin. Absolutely nothing, in fact. Okay, uh, because not because of its najasa. Because of his sanctity. Okay, so the skin actually is of, of because human beings are, are sanctified, so not only in life but also in death. You are not allowed to use that skin. So it's not not thinking. So anyway, so then Sheikh then says, he goes, So therefore, if a person was to go and tan um, if the person was to go and tan a uh, uh, the, the skin of a mouse or a cat, okay, if he was to do that. It would not become pure. It would not become pure because um, uh, it would not become pure because it is uh, meta, all right? Because it's carrion. But according to the madhab, what could you do? So we've got a mouse, or we've got a cat. According to Hanbali madhab, and according to the text we've just studied, we find it dead. We strip it of its fur, its skin, or whatever. All right, and we tan it. So what? Sorry. Correct. The Hanbalis say that that tanning process has it purified the skin or not? 
No, they made that very clear and they stated that. We said it does, yes? Okay, we said it does. And can, can they use it though? We just learned this uh, just right now. Yes, we can. All right, according to the Hanbalis, we can use it. Why can we use it? As long as it's only used in dry matters or something like that, then it's okay. The reason they're insisting on dry because they do not think that the skin has become pure. If they thought the skin had become pure, then it'd be no problem to have water, this, that, whatever, because it wouldn't be transferring Najaza. But because they know, according to them, that it's impure, it can only be used in dry matters. It cannot be used in anything else. Okay? Um, now, uh, Sheikh, then he discusses a few points. He goes, and of course, there's the opinion that says that it is made pure. It is made pure. And it is permissible um, this is another opinion he goes uh, it is permissible to use it not only while in dry matters but also in wet matters as well and uh, therefore according to this opinion it would be permissible it would be permissible to therefore find a cat or a mouse and then strip it of its skin tan it and use it and it would be pure as well it would become pure and we could use it in all as well so the first opinion he's basically said that according to the Hanbalis they found this cat or mouse they could they could tan that skin it wouldn't be pure but it would be okay to use in dry matters he goes the second opinion is that the tanning does purify and that's a very important opinion by the way you need to be aware of that even when we come to a pig and we're just jumping the gun but there are some ulama and it's an acceptable opinion that any animal can be tanned any animal all right and therefore, therefore, the skin of any animal could be used by Muslims or whatever. So I want you to understand that's a strong opinion. So therefore, in the light of that opinion, keep that at the back of your head. Read all the rest of these opinions in that. So the second opinion is that tanning does purify. And if tanning does purify, then the, the cat that we find, the skin that we tan and use it. Is that what they think? Many ways to skin a cat. That just come to me, Wallah, randomly. Is that because people used to do that, yeah? I wonder why they say skin a cat. There are many ways to skin a cat. Because it's a random statement, isn't it? Why would you want to skin a cat for? I know, in the back of my mind, someone said that the phrase was made by the English when they were going through drought, uh, uh, starvation or something, like a couple of hundred years ago, and they had to eat their own domestic pets or something like that. Uh, that's what I've got in the back of my mind, but I don't know how true that is. Uh, anyway, so that's the second opinion. According to the third opinion, and it's a Sheikh with their means opinion, and listen to this carefully, okay? Um, the uh, the third opinion he goes that in that the skin of carrion of a dead animal it does not become purified by tanning it does not become purified by tanning unless it is a dead animal that when it was alive not only was it pure but it was slaughterable if there's a word like that or it could be slaughtered does that make sense right such as a cow or a sheep or a camel and anything which is not permissible to slaughter brackets cat you know, dog or whatever, I don't know, anything, yeah, anything else, anything which is not permissible to slaughter, then that thing cannot be purified by, cannot be purified by tanning. 
Sheikh Uthameen says, this is the strongest opinion to me, and this is the opinion of our Sheikh, Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Si'adi, or al-Sa'adi, both in the ways are permissible. Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Si'adi, you need to know something about. Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Si'adi, and as I said, al-Sa'adi was one of the major mufteen, major, major scholars of Saudi Arabia, uh, maybe the preeminent scholar in, our, in Saudi Arabia's history uh, in the last 100 years. And um, he was famously the teacher of Sheikh Uthameen. And he himself has released a number of books. And we taught one of his books in, complete, in completion. How long? 10 years ago. How long, how long did it take? Good, about three, four, five years, something like that. And uh, we pretty much translated it as well, but we didn't release it because we didn't edit and everything. And it was called Nur al Basair, and it's a mini kind of uh, fiqh, everything, in a very basic yani. It's much less lower level than this. So Abdurrahman Sa'adi is a big, big alim. And there is a, there's a lot of khilaf in this issue, a lot of difference of opinion in this issue of animals and purifying them and tanning them, which is why all this discussion is being said. But anyway, Sheikh Uthameen is saying, I'm following the opinion of my teacher in this, and this is what we're saying. And it's quite a, it's quite a conservative opinion, because like I said, generally when you look at Sheikh Uthameen, you, you feel he's the kind of guy who's willing to go out on a hunch, right? And he's willing to be a bit more liberal, and he's willing to go against the madhabs and so on. But he's pretty much reeled himself in here. He doesn't go with the opinion that you could get a pig and you could slaughter it, um, and you could find a pig and you use the skin, or any animal. No, he doesn't have this idea that tanning unrestricted, unrestrictedly purifies everything. He doesn't have that opinion. He has a restricted opinion, which is that the only animals that you can actually use their skin in a pure fashion, even after tanning, are those animals which when they were alive, not only were they pure, but they were animals that you would normally slaughter. So you've got a very small list there, isn't it, really? Like a horse... Yeah, like a, a, a cow, a camel, and something else. Anything that you couldn't slaughter whilst you were alive, whilst they were alive, well then, it would not be uh, pure to use, even though it might be pure whilst it was dry, because when it's dry, it's not imparting any najasa. Okay? The issue is about impurity. It's not about handling it. So if a person gave to you the skin of a, uh, I don't know, the skin of a lion, okay, a lion, and someone gave you a tan lion skin, if that's even possible, for you to use it or whatever, or to handle it, whatever, because it's dry, that wouldn't be a problem, okay? Because as we said, the problem is in the inferring of the najasa when it's wet. Did you understand that? I know it's a bit complicated, but just I hope that that makes sense. Now, what's very, so let's just stop there for, and uh, he gives some evidences for his position. He goes that, look, he goes that the real issue where the illa is with respect to the madhab is that it's about the, the, pure, the purity of the animal whilst it's in a state of, whilst alive. Okay? So whatever's, whatever's pure, then whatever is, for, for whatever, whatever is pure whilst it's alive, then it's allowed to use the skin of that even if it's found dead as long as it has been tanned even though it's not pure, even though it's not purified. We can use it in yabis, yeah, and we can use it in dry matters. As for the second one, we just said to you, second opinion, we just said that they said that it pure, tanning purifies everything, so there's no issue. You can use the skin, you can make use it white or dry. As for us, وَعَلَى الْقَوْلَ الثَّالِثِ يَطْحُرْ إِذَا كَانَتْ الْمَيْتَةُ مِمَّا تُحِلُّهُ الذَّكَرُ and for us, it's permissible to use an animal which, as long as it's permissible for dhaka, dhaka means that it can be slaughtered, then that's the one we're going with. As for our 
proof. He said that one of the ahadith which is narrated by Imam Ahmed is right at the bottom there, reference number four, Dibaguha Zakatuha. That its tanning is its slaughtering, kind of. Meaning that slaughtering is almost the, 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 the indicator of its tanning. I know that doesn't make sense, okay? I know that doesn't make sense. But the ta- if we say the tanning is a slaughtering, then the slaughtering is its tanning, meaning that they are intrinsically linked. Almost to say, what Shaykh Muhammad is reading this hadith as, is that when, some, when something is slaughtered, that's the real tanning. And if you read this hadith like I just said it now, then every hadith that we just mentioned, especially the hadith of Maimuna, what was the animal that they saw pulling? What was the animal that they saw pulling and they weren't making use of it? And uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that, nice if you used it, it's this, and nice if you... Uh, it was a sheep. So the sheep would be covered by this. You see what I'm trying to say? Actually, if you read this hadith like that, all of the surrounding evidences can be nicely rounded into our own opinion. So that's, that's, uh, uh, that's uh, the, 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 the point. Um, and so then he, and then he makes now, so he goes, therefore, I want to make a statement, he says. The skin of that which is impermissible to eat, even if it was pure in its life, cannot be purified by tanning. Okay? Don't ask me to write the, read these things out again, because I'm not reading it out myself, I'm translating, and that's a mission. So I've got no idea what I just said. I think I said the skin of that which is impermissible to eat. That even if it was pure in its life, it cannot be purified by tanning. That's Sheikh Uthameen's policy statement. Is that clear, everybody? All right, let's move on. Um, uh, and he says, and he, he goes, and as for the point, as for people who might say, well, hold on, hold on. The cat is pure. The Prophet ﷺ said the cat is pure. So why are you making it not pure? You're saying that we're only going to use the animals which are pure in life that you can eat. Yet the Prophet ﷺ said that the cat is pure with a text, with a nos. And Shaykh Muhammad responds in a nice way. He goes, listen, he goes, those animals, they were only made pure because of the difficulty it would cause to the people. Not because they were made pure for us to eat. They were made pure for a specific reason. Because they were shakkat nas Okay, because it's too difficult. Because he said, They're already all over you. And if we didn't make them pure, then it would be an absolute disaster. Okay, and uh, so that's, that, that's, the, uh, uh, that's the, the, the position. And he said, This is also the, one of the positions, one of the statements of Shaykh Islam in Taymiyyah, which makes him even more happy to take it. It makes us even more happy as well. So that's fine as well. And he also said, He's honest enough to say that. And it should be said that Sheikh uh, 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 Islam Ibn Taymiyyah also did have a second statement that he narrated. And that is what? يعني that um, actually anything that was pure, i.e. cat even, then even that can then be uh, purified after tanning. So there is that second statement. But obviously Sheikh Uthameen is going to base it upon his first. Let's just stop there for a second and uh, have, a, have a little chat about what the implication of this is. What's the implication of this? Pig skins out, right? And give back your crocodiles. Uh, crocodiles out. Crocodile is crocodile an issue or not? What do you say about crocodile, folks? You see the problem, huh? Why? Why is crocodile out? Is crocodile haram to eat? That's the key question. Is a crocodile haram to eat? What do you guys just want to do? Eat crocodiles? 
Is any people here? Haram? Any people? Who said haram? Didn't the Prophet say that everything in the sea is halal? It walks around as well, huh? Lives on the land? Is that the only problem? Is that the only issue? It has fangs, very good. Predator? Good. I mean, we're not covering this now, but I might as well just touch a little bit upon it. So don't Yanis, start flooding forums with 26,000 questions on animals to eat because we're not doing it. But we're just discussing a little bit and ram home the point. In principle, yes, for the sake of, for the sake of time now, animals which are mega dangerous, pred- predatory, they're impermissible. Animals with fangs are impermissible. Animals which live on the ground, uh, uh, I don't want to say amphibious because that's something else, but live in the sea and outside, they are questionable. Not all halal and not all haram, independent, independent. Crocodile has been mahal al-khilaf. Many scholars allowed the, the crocodile and others didn't. And the safer position is to assume that the crocodile is not allowed. So if we therefore assume that the crocodile is not allowed, then your crocodile skin boots and... I mean, no one, to be honest, wears crocodile. I mean, only people like Shazad wears crocodile skin boots and things like that. <laughs> because that... You, huh? know you have to attract all your statements. All right. Saying. Huh? Messages sent to me and uh, everything. Yeah. Everything saying she yeah. said, "Why are you wearing crocodile yeah, yeah, skin? Yeah, so, why do you shop at John Lewis yeah. for your for your tuna? Which, which, why do you? Why you? Why why you buying your dishes this, in Harrods? Sah sah. Can you please? Lies, lies. I, I just want to say, please. Lies. Stop sending Shazad all these emails asking what brand is best to buy from Harrods, or what brands of the China is best from John Lewis, uh, because it was a long, long time ago when he used to do that. You know. He doesn't remember anything like that now, isn't it, Shaz? That's the reason, isn't it? Never have I bought dishes from Harrods. Oh, because you never bought. <laughs> <laughs> right. So crocodile skin's out, yeah. Agreed. That's a benefit to understand, isn't it? Well, snake skin. What do you think about snakes? What's, 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 your, what's your thoughts behind snake? It's a predator. Is it? Snake a predator? There's a difference between something being poisonous and something being a predator. Snake's a predator. Eats mice. That doesn't make it predatory. Has fangs, right? That's an issue. Some of them. What other issues are there? Deadly animal. Yeah. Actually, that's probably the strongest reason. Not the fact that it's a deadly animal, but what the Prophet ﷺ said about the deadly animals. He said to kill these animals because they're deadly and they're uh, dirty. Yeah, In Salah. Even in Salah. And even outside of Salah, they're to be killed as well. So some of the ulama, they said that any, any animal which is ordered to be killed is not allowed to be eaten. That's a principle. So therefore, if you can't kill an if you can't eat an animal, then to sacrifice it would be the same thing. So snake skin would be a problem as well. Again, there are some scholars that allow it, but we're just talking about being on the safe side here and using our principles. Yeah. Is it only two types of snakes? Oh, there's lots of detail. I mean, we're, I'm sure that we'll discuss that when when the time comes. Um, what other animals? What's uh, oh, other skin is popular? Alligator. Alligator, same thing. Yeah, same thing as a crocodile. What other skins people use? Bear skin. bear skin, so that's a good one, isn't it? Bear skin. Bear, hold on. Bear skin or bear fur? 
Because when you think of a bear, you don't think of skin, you use the fur, right? It isn't separated from the skin. So that's very important. If the bear, if the skin, because we're coming to that right now, that's actually the next section. Huh? So, so some of them don't have those uh, mats, those skin rugs. Then you say to me, well, lies, 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 lies. Shaz, if I start telling you about your house and about the big rugs that you have, then you're going to start saying, whose house is the palace? Mine or yours? Allah. <laughs> so lion's no problem, we know that, because lion is impermissible, Right? Um, lions are impermissible to, 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 to eat. Tigers impermissible. These are big impermissible animals. But uh, let's forget all this random stuff. Let's talk about like yeah, the bear skin. Let's talk about what things that we would probably buy or get involved with in the market. Snake skin, crocodile, alligators, common stuff, right? Pig skin, very common stuff. Yeah, using shoes and this and that. So we have to be careful from that. Let's leave fur. Just talk about skin. What else are there? Are you watching online? These masakin, they're all writing day and night saying da 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 da. Da, 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 and no one, everyone ignores them. I just want to say, everybody online, that Shazad Nadif ignores you completely. All right, I never ignore the masses. It never helps. Yep. All right. So what else? What else? Bear skin. See the problem with the bear. Let's look at the bear. A bear is a predatory animal. It is, and it comes for you. It's going to take you out. I don't know. I'll stay away from bear. In life and in death. Anyway, so, so there's, there's a few points there, guys. Anyway, have a, have a little think about that. Anyway, let's move on. Now the sheikh then says, um, and it's uh, milk. Okay, so he says that... Um, lizard. Huh? Lizard. A lizard? Yeah, lizard. Lizard skin, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if it's that's a good one. A lizard skin. So, um, because a lizard is permissible... To sacrifice and to cook and to eat, whatever. And so therefore, lizard skin theoretically falls under that category. Good. Good. Well done. A frog skin. What are you guys doing in Somalia, man? Frog skin. Are you serious or are you just messing me about? Now I'm going to be in doubt for the rest of my life now. About what Somalians get up to in their food habits. Frog skin. Anyway, uh, uh, talking about the, the frogs as an animal, um, according to a number of their ulama, uh, frogs are impermissible. Um, and the reason for that is because there's a number of principles when it comes to what is permissible and impermissible from food, uh, for, 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 for eating from animals. Um, things sacrificed for other than the sake of Allah, uh, in, uh, dirty animals, animals which hunt, animals which um, are dangerous, deadly Animals which um, are protected species, like the, the, the domesticated donkey, for example, uh, which is haram, haram completely. A mule, which is haram because its mother is a, a domesticated donkey, even though its father is a horse. Yeah. Um, whereas a wild horse, a, a wild donkey, onaja, 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 whatever they're called, on onaga. I don't know. I've never knew it how to say that word, but what, a wild donkey, those are allowed. Those are allowed. Um, what are some other principles? Animals which um, are filthy or disgusting. That's also a principle that, with respect to permissibility. So you'd have to play with all these ideas and principles anyway. Um, um, oh, and with respect to birds, birds that have talons, they're impermissible. So eagles, falcons, hawks, kites, okay? 
those are not permissible either. But anyway, listen, let's not get into that. So anyway, the Sheikh says that the milk, milk of a dead animal is impure. وَإِن لَمْ يَتَغَيَّرْ بِهَا Now, this is important. Sheikh Uthameen is going against his own principle and also the principle of Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah, by the way, he says no problem with the milk of a, of a carrion. Carrion, dead animal. Full udders. Whenever, obviously, we don't see this, imagine this, okay? Because it's not our life. But out there, if you find a dead cow full of, uh, thingy, the milk in its udders is of huge value. And it's going to get milked, all right? So the question is always going to be, is this milk okay to drink and sell and so on and so forth? Majority of scholars uh, say no. Ibn Taymiyyah says yes, but he would say yes. Why? Because he says that the milk... Uh, so first of all, why do you think the scholars say no? Is it because it's dead? No. Huh? Common sense, common sense. What is dead skin? What is dead animal? <laughs> Impure, right? The whole chapter is about the fact that when when mater when it dies, it becomes najis. Okay, so the idea is that when something is najis, khalas, that's the end of the story. So therefore, the majority of the scholars are saying because the milk and especially the hambalis, we studied this for weeks and months. In fact, we said that anything which yulaqa and najasa, which is in contact with najasa, what did the hambalis say? It becomes najis. What did we say? It's not a problem because it's not transferred and it not changes. It doesn't change as long as we don't see no sign of najasa. It's not najas. Yeah, we we spent like a couple of months uh, 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 perfecting that point. Yeah, that as long as it doesn't change, it's not najas. And that's Ibn Taymiyyah's masterpiece. And that is Sheikh Uthaymeen's very happy with that. And I'm very happy. And all many of the contemporary scholars are very uh, much following this opinion. Here again, milk the same. The scholars are saying that, look, dead animal, najis animal. Najis, not even outside, najis inside. Milk, not even outside, milk is inside. It's in contact with that meat and blood and so on and so forth. Of course it's najis. And Ibn Taymiyyah said, no, it's not. I don't care if the animal is najis. If that milk looks clean, yes, and it hasn't got the najasa transferred across, it's no problem. Sheikh Uthameen breaks ranks here with Ibn Taymiyyah. He goes, you know, for my, as far as I'm concerned, what seems more correct to me, and I want to say also this is the opinion of Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shumpiti as well, Hafidahullah, and it's also his opinion as well. He goes that I think that this milk is najis. He goes, I think this milk is najis because it is in touch, it's a small area, it's a small amount, and milk is not like water. I like this point as well that Sheikh Uthameen makes. He goes, Najasa has an intri- uh, water has an intrinsic Water has an intrinsic ability to not to be able to dilute itself easily from najasa. Whereas, if you just think naturally about milk and its thicker na- nature and whatever, if you thought that that got najas, you would think it stayed najas. It would be much more difficult for it to lose its najasa. He's just using some kind of ugly kind of statement there. Um, he goes so anyways. As far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, he goes. I'm going to go on the same side. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has said, يعني that the the carrion is haram for you uh, in Surah Al-Maidah verse three. And he goes, I'm going to go with that and continue all the way through and say that its milk is also haram because it's right in there. I keep saying it's right in there because now, of course, he's going to make exceptions for the things which are not right in there, i.e., on the outside of a dead animal. 
This is what this whole discussion is about. You've got to imagine this dead animal. First, that it's najis. Okay, if it's najis, then what's najis on a dead animal? We've got to look at it in layers. So you've got to think of the meat inside. And we know the meat to eat is haram, haram, haram. And then we have the skin, which we're now saying that is purified pretty much if it's a halal animal, which is the second layer. And then you've got the third layer, which is fur, hair, feathers, wool. Yeah, the four main uh, things on top. And so that's pure, as we're going to find out. So you've got these three layers, and I want you to appreciate that. That's what you've got to break it into. So anyway, so... Uh, Yes. Wallah It's a very good point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, in the Quran says that we are, we are creating in the cow this uh, milk, which is by its very nature in between filth and blood, right? And it's coming out and you're being, you're being given this milk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one of his miracles. He's giving you this milk as a, on a, uh, you know, for us to uh, nourish ourselves by. What would the answer to this be? Anyone? What do you think? This is, this is what some of the ulama said. They said that when the, we have no doubt that an animal, whilst it is alive, it in of itself is not najis. It of, in, in of itself. And its inside is also not najis. You know what I'm saying? So, Allah Alam. Allah Alam. But this is, of course, referring to a dead animal. A dead animal that you find. The ayah, of course, is referring to live animals or the live cow. Okay? Then the sheikh says, and وَكُلَّ أَجْزَائِهَا and all parts, so the milk and all parts of dead and slaughtered animals are filthy. So all parts like what? Such as the hand or a hoof or a leg or the head or anything. Okay? Uh, this is because the ayah in Surah An'am, which we covered last week, 145, is general and uh, not specific. And meta, the word carrion, does not refer to the entire animal. It refers to anything which is dead on that animal. So if you were to cut off a piece of that animal, it would have the same Ruling, it would have the same ruling, okay. So he's happy with this, all right. There's no problem with that, with the humbly position there, except for hair and the like, all right. So now the humblies have made a, 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 an exception, and this exception has been made by pretty much every scholar ever, okay. So, such as the wool on sheep, and such as the, uh, the, the fur on a, on a camel, and such as the feathers on a bird, and such as the hair on a, uh, on a cow. Um, and, and anything similar to that. He goes, this is all going to be okay. It's all pure. It's all everything. It's okay. The, uh, there are, though, two further... Um, there are two further... Uh, not two, actually. He mentions a couple. He goes, there are some further exceptions to this, though. He goes, there are some uh, further exceptions. The bones of a dead animal. The, the bones of uh, a, a dead animal... Um, and, and this is one of the two opinions in the Hamli Madhab. Why would one of the why, why would the bones be okay? He said that the bones are being given the ruling here of like the fur and the hair because they're lifeless. What Sheikh is trying to kind of give the idea is that when you look at wool and hair and what's the common thing about them that they're separate and lifeless, okay, and they don't have blood in it, they don't have nerve endings and so on, even though they feel a little bit of pain. Shaykh Uthaymeen, when he starts that and he says that's the position of the madhab, he goes, as for me, he, he goes, um, uh, he goes, as for the second opinion in the madhab, that actually there is a problem, 
ولكن الذي يظهر المذهب في هذه المسألة هو الصواب لأن الفرق بين العظم وبين ما ليس له نفس سائلة أن الثاني حيوان مستقل وأما العظم فكان نجسا تبعا لغيره ولأنه يتألم فليس كالظفر أو شعر ثم so he basically said that uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned bones are also nages as well why he goes we all know that they have bone marrow that there's bone marrow in there we all know that there's a blood supply to the to the to the bones as well we can't compare bones to uh, a hair and uh, feathers and things like that it's not lifeless and it's very much inside involved the animal as well so as far as i'm concerned that uh, bones are not a uh, uh, bones are also nages bones fall into the same category as a hand a foot, a head, and so on. He also said that the other example is the uh, uh, a fish. Okay, fish. Um, now a fish we know, or fish, they're halal. Alright, they're halal. And so therefore anything that we use from a fish is permissible, theoretically speaking. Except of course we have a problem. We have a problem because we know that it's not permissible just to cut off something from a fish whilst it's alive even from a fish because this is torture there's a difference between killing live fish okay killing live fish doesn't even make sense it didn't even make sense did it killing fish or fishing okay and torturing a fish right cutting something off a live animal is impermissible even though you might say it's pure and all the rest of it but the ruling on it is impermissible because the Prophet ﷺ said do not torture animals and the and, uh, and Prophet ﷺ did not allow uh, and cursed in fact Severely, those who took animals for uh, hunting, for target practice, just yani, to shoot them, not to kill them, but just yani, to, to use as target practice. Okay, so he goes, so Sheikh goes, so uh, he goes, I, I want to I therefore make a statement. I want to make uh, a statement about some rules that we've learned. And this is nice. He goes, we can establish three principles. Everything which is halal, and when I say halal, I mean to use and to eat. Okay. To use and to eat. Tanawal, meaning to use and to eat. Every halal is tahir. Every halal is pure. Number one. Number two. Every najas is haram. Anything which is, is filthy, it is haram to eat and so on and so forth. And laysa kullu haramin najasan. And not every single thing which is haram is najas. These are three just golden principles. He's saying that are becoming clear to us as we move on forward and forward. That you're learning, okay? Uh, so not every haram is impure. Not every haram is impure. The second one is that not every, that every najas is haram. Every single impurity, every impure thing is haram. He also adds a fourth one. He also says that it is not necessary that a pure thing is halal. It is not necessary that just because something is pure that it becomes that that, that it is haram. Uh, sorry, that it is halal. That is halal. I'm, I'm thinking of like I don't know. Plastic. Because I don't know, if you eat that then you know you probably die or something. Uh, alcohol is much much more common sense example, yeah. Very good. Okay. Cat, isn't it? Hmm? Cat. Cat. Yeah, yeah, good. Cat. A cat is good. Is a good example of this. Ahsent. Yeah? Because obviously we know that it is pure, but we can't eat it. Yes? 
Happy with that? Yeah. And um, also, Sheikh also says that it's important while we're talking about the hair, um, an important principle. Because according to me, this must be shaved off. Wool and hair and everything must be shaved off. It's not permissible to pluck off. And the reason he goes, that's a problem, he goes, that's why you've got to be very, very careful with feathers, he says, because a feather is plucked out and it comes out with some of the skin. And likewise, if you pluck out hair, every follicle that you pluck, then it comes out with something from the skin, which is self-nudges. But if you shave it, then obviously it leaves that in the skin, and so therefore you're getting the pure top part. Is that clear, everybody? All right, is that clear? And, um, and he also, he, he also um, says... So he goes, so what we can conclude from this is an animal should be looked at in this following manner. He goes, a dead animal, a carrion, should be looked at in the following manner, in three parts. Its hair, etc., and that's pure. Its meat and anything which is inside the skin, then this is impure. You can't benefit from it by purification. And then the skin which is in between these two layers and that will depend then upon what kind of category it falls in in terms of pure impure whilst it was alive we've covered that is that clear so this is a very good way of putting the uh, uh, the 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 uh, point forward there's some more discussion there in uh, there but i'm not going to i'm not going i don't i don't think there's any real reason to um, do that unless it's quickly then finish and then sheikh says and something separated from a living animal has the same ruling as if it were separated from an unslaughtered animal. What does that mean? That, uh, that anything which is alive and it comes off whilst it's alive, then it's, it, it, this, this is uh, haram. Okay? This is haram. Um, but the scholars, they gave two exceptions to this. This is common sense. Yeah? So you found an animal, you just cut off his leg. This is haram. It's, it's ruling is like it was carrion. Is that clear? Everyone understand that? I want to make sure everyone, we're not going just too fast, yeah? You cut off something from a living animal, it's haram because the ruling is like as if it was dead, like carrion, okay? But there are two exceptions. The first exception is game. That, that which is that what is being, at-tarida. At-tarida is, uh, at-tarida is basically something which is being hunted. And something which is being hunted um, is not necessarily what we're talking about by uh, uh, what we're talking about is maybe a big animal or a quick animal and people are using spears and knives and Imam Ahmed described that as well he said that that's what they used to do all the time and they would go and they would stab the animal and cut it and people would be you know uh, attacking this animal and so on and so forth and parts might come off and everything and, it, and it's too dangerous to do dhabah but it's halal for them to eat even though the animal is not sacrificed because the manner of killing that specific animal are the blows and the cuts that are done by the sword and by the, by the knives, etc., etc. And so uh, Imam Ahmed here made that very, very clear. He goes, Because it's not possible to get to its uh, throat to do the dhabah, then however you kill the animal by making the bismillah and you're going at it in a hunt, then this is permissible. Now this, in theory, wouldn't be because of this point that we just said, because it's a live animal and you're cutting it to pieces and whatever. So therefore, the argument would be, if you were following this text exactly as it was, that with a game animal, if you're cutting it and so on, then it will become haram and carrion during the process. This is the exception. It doesn't. 
They, uh, Imam Ahmed said that this has happened so many times in the Maghazi, every time the Prophet ﷺ went out, and this is how they were living, and this is how they're eating, and never did we find any kind of criticism against this from the Prophet ﷺ. And the second and final uh, uh, exception, and on this we close, he said, and this is very interesting, he said the, the acquiring of the musk pod, okay? The other exception is the acquiring of the musk pod, something which is called Fa'ratul uh, Misk. This musk pod is taken from uh, a deer. You know, misk. Misk is actually, yani, this, this actual biological, I mean, most of them are now synthetic, <coughs> artificial, right? But pure misk, I mean, it sells for like thousands and thousands of pounds, yani, because it's taken from this gland in the, in the deer, uh, in male deer and gazelles, I think, or something like that. And this pouch... And it's like protected. This is actually in the abdomen. In the abdomen of the animal. And if you kill the animal, you affect the, the misc. And to get the best misc, it's a bit sickness, but to get the best misc, misc, you're literally going right in there and pulling it out kind of thing. Or some kind of sick behavior, I don't know, right? But the point is, is that it comes out, and when it comes out uh, in this manner, it doesn't bleed, it doesn't, blood doesn't get involved with it, and that's how you get the most best, super high quality misc. And because this was a practice that was done by the Arabs at the time, in fact still it is done in a, in a minimal way, but as I said, synthetic now misc has taken over, then this is also an exception to the rule. So there you've seen two practical exceptions to the rule. In hunting, when it's you and the animal and you can't sacrifice it, then you make your intention, you go at it, whatever comes off, cuts off, it's not carrion anymore, it's halal. And this process for getting the misc, because it has been praised, the, the perfume has been praised and this is the only way. It might be possible and Allah knows best. I'm not giving ishtihad or fatwa here. But maybe some scholars might say this is impermissible now. Because back then they didn't have the ability to create synthetic perfumes and misc. And now we do. And therefore we should avoid doing that. Especially if it comes to uh, preservation of animals, etc. etc. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's possible. I'm not giving that fatwa. I'm just saying that if their illa is because the Prophet ﷺ allowed it. Because he was a lover of misc and misc had to be had value and it was tradable and it was and to, to wear to, to wear good perfume is a plus point then well today that can happen without having to kill the animal so Allahu A'lam Allah knows best I don't want to give a ruling on that and that ladies and gentlemen is the end of the entire chapter of the principles of purification which is amazing Alhamdulillah that means that we've done surfaces, we've done the concept of purity, we've done uh, uh, utensils and, and tanning and all this kind of stuff. And now we actually, next week, subhanAllah, and I'm getting all excited now, we actually get into what purification everyone understands. Like istinja and wudu and, you know, finally getting some rubbing down and finally getting some stuff down. So next week, inshallah, we start istinja, okay? So, Jazakumullah khair. We don't have time for questions. I had to go over a little bit to make sure we finished. But I hope that that's all okay. Um, anyone who has a sharh, you'll realize there's a poem there right at the end, um, page 98. And it's incredibly convenient that it's time for Isha because I have no idea how to translate that. So I've literally been saved by the bell. Jazakumullah khair.